Good morning, Nachum. Good Arab Shabbos, everybody. Tomorrow we have the privilege of reading Parshas Parashas. We start literally creating. And interestingly, the very last Rashi in the Torah speaks of the greatness of Moshe for his breaking the Luchos, an act of destruction. The Torah begins with the act of construction. Parashas Baro Elokim HaKadosh Baruch created. According to the Chinuch, there's one mitzvah found in the parasha, and that is the mitzvah of Pruvu, of procreation. Interestingly, he points out that only men are obligated in this mitzvah. Now, rumor has it, it takes two to tango, meaning that clearly woman plays a very significant role in procreation, in Pruvu. Why is it that only men are obligated? And the Meshachachma says something especially profound, namely, The ways of the Torah are so pleasant, and there is no mitzvah that comes with pain. And therefore, rather than legislate to women, that they must have children, whereby they are saying that they must endure pain. HaKadosh Baruch Hu charged it on the gentleman, on the man, and the woman, Baruch Hashem, number one, has a great desire, number two, gets, quote, an assist in the idea that she is assisting in the mitzvah but a very profound idea of not imposing on them a mitzvah of pain. Talking about pain, this was for all of us one of the most painful weeks that we can ever recall. And it was less than a week ago that Jewish communities outside of Israel read the book of Koheles. And in chapter 9, Pasuk 10, the wise king Solomon admonishes his listeners by saying, Kol Translated, all that you're able to do with your might, with your abilities, do it. I was privileged to hear from an Adam Godol who wishes to remain anonymous a most powerful understanding of this verse. In the Gemara, there are three stories that portray making the most of one's potential. Firstly, we find in the Gemara Subos 66b that after the destruction of the second base of Migdash, Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai was leaving Yerushalayim. He saw a young woman gathering pieces of barley from the dung of the animals that belonged to Arabs. When she saw the great rabbi, she covered her hair and stood before him and asked for his sustenance. He asked her, Who are you? And she responded, 
the daughter of Nakandimon ben Guriam. And he asked her, What happened to your father's extraordinary wealth? And she answered, That unfortunately, because he did not give charity, he lost his fortune. And the Talmud then asked, What do you mean he didn't give charity? After all, we are taught that Nakdimon's daily practice when he left his home to go to the base medrash was to have silk carpets laid out before him. And as he walked, the poor would gather up these expensive carpets and would sustain themselves with this most clever and extraordinary donation of charity. So the Gemara answers, most certainly he was philanthropic. However, what he was able to do and should have done, unfortunately he did not. He failed to reach his potential. The second incident is recorded in the Gemara Sanhedrin, 68a, where we are taught that when Rebbe Eliezer was sick, Rebbe Akiva and his colleagues came to visit him. Rebbe Eliezer asked them, Why have you come? And they answered, To learn Torah. Rebbe Eliezer said to them, I foresee, unfortunately, that you will leave this world with an uneasy, uncomfortable passing. Rebbe Kiva then asked, What will be my fate? And he answered, That your passing will be much more torturous than theirs. And Rashi explains the harsh prediction of Rebbe Eliezer in the following way. You, Rebbe Akiva, because you have an incredible mind for study, had you come and studied with me, you would have learned even more Torah than you have accumulated. Once again, Rashi is waving the accusation to Rabbi Akiva that as much as he learned and as great as he was, Rabbi Akiva could have done more. And the third incident is found in the Gemara Bodhazara, 17b, where we are taught that after Rabbi Eliezer ben Parta and Rabbi Hananiah ben Tradio were arrested by the Romans, they had the following conversation. Rabbi Hananiah ben Tradion said to Rabbi Eliezer ben Parta, you are fortunate that you were only charged by the Romans for committing one offense, while I was charged for committing five. Rabbi responded, How fortunate you are that despite the many charges, you will be saved. And what one to me for having been charged with but one offense, and I will not be free, but suffer grave consequences. You'll be freed because you have the merit of both studying and teaching Torah, and at the same time, the merit of Gemilus Hasodim, being there for the needs of others. While I am charged with teaching and disseminating Torah, but I did not have the merit of Gemilus Hasodim to save me. And the Talmud questions the statement of Rabbi Hananiah by reminding us that he served as a Gabbai Tzedakah, a trustworthy individual who discharged charity for the needy. And the Gemara answers with the refrain used in the above two situations. Yes, he was involved with Chesed, 
However, he did not fulfill his potential and maximize his actions in accordance with his ability. I'd like to suggest, why does the Talmud provide us with the insight and shortcomings of these three great individuals? Rav Shimshon Rafal Hirsch, Sechron Levracha, teaches that in many places the Torah teaches in the extreme. Note, the Torah does not legislate that if a Jew dies, that individual is to be buried. Rather, in Devarim, chapter 22, plus 23, the Torah teaches that if a Jew was unfortunately stoned by the Sanhedrin, that body was to be hung and the individual buried on that day. From here we learn that if the criminal is to be buried, most certainly each and every Jew is to be afforded this service. And when the Torah teaches in Shmos, chapter 23, plus 4 and 5, that if one encounters the ox of their enemy or his donkey wandering, he shall surely return it to him. And furthermore, if he sees the animal of one that he hates crouching under its burden, and one's instinctive reaction would be to refrain from helping him, the Torah ordains that he must assist the one that he hates. Why, one might ask, does the Torah teach in the extreme? Let it simply say, if one encounters the animal of his neighbor, he should return and assist the neighbor. The Torah once again teaches in the extreme that if this behavior is required towards an enemy, all the more so is one to be responsible to assist his fellow Jew. I believe that Ravina and Ravashi included these three narratives in the Gemara to teach us the lesson that if these three great individuals were taken to task from on high, while each excelled in their respective vocations, and they were taken to task for not performing their full potential, similarly, each individual Jew will be held accountable for not fulfilling their potential. And this is what Shlomo Melech meant when he began the above-cited verse, all, call, meaning not some or most of one's potential, but all of one's potential is to be actualized. Understandably, we are nowhere close to the above, namely these three great tzaddikim. But the lesson for all of us is, if we can all do more. A similar elaboration of this thesis is found in Chobos Halavavos, whereby Rabbeinu Bachia teaches that one is to examine their growth and effort exerted in their religious and spiritual observance. He gives the following parable. A master gave his servant sufficient seeds to plant a sizable field. The servant utilized part of the seeds for the field, while the rest of the seeds he took for his own personal field. When the master saw that his field was only partially sold, he confronted his servant and told him he'd be held accountable for failing to do what he could and should have done and instead used and in essence stole the seeds for his own personal use. Too often, says Rabbi Nobiachia, 
we could use our energies in greater spiritual accomplishment, serving both Hashem and our fellow man with greater results. Unfortunately, we squander these talents in and for our own personal use. And finally, the Gemara in Brachos 32b teaches that four areas of man's endeavors require strengthening. These are Torah, study, the practice of good deeds, praying, and pursuing a livelihood. And Rashi explains the term chizuk, strengthening to mean to strengthen oneself constantly with all their capabilities. We're to constantly strive <clears throat> to improve ourselves in these areas. And each one knows within the confines of their heart that there's always room for improvement. Unfortunately, I believe, in view of what happened, the tragedy of this past week, to discuss that there is a Jewish response to tragedy. The Torah in Bamidbar, chapter 10, Pesach 9, teaches that when you go to war in your land against an enemy who oppresses you, you shall call out in prayer, sound the trumpets, and you shall be called recalled, excuse me, before Hashem, your God, and you shall be saved from your enemies. Interestingly, there's a difference of opinion between the Rambam and Ramban whether there's a biblical mitzvah to pray daily. The Rambam is of the opinion that there is a biblical mitzvah to pray daily, daily while the Ramban believes, based upon this pasuk, that it is in times of crisis that there's a biblical mitzvah to pray and connect personally with Hashem. The Rambam at the beginning of Hilchus Tainis in Halacha, Aleph through Gimel, codifies the positive mitzvah to cry out at a time of crisis. Moreover, he teaches that this cry is one of the paths of tshuva, that one should feel that our actions and interactions have caused the tragedy. As Sefer Yonah proclaims in chapter 1, Pasagud Beis, says Yonah that I know that it is because of me that this terrible storm is upon you. Each and every individual is to feel that they have unfortunately contributed to this horrific occurrence. On the other hand, if one simply believes that anti-Semitism is pure happenstance and not a direct hit from above, Due to our actions, in the Rambam's words, such belief causes men to remain attached to their evil rays. Rather, and I personally feel inadequate to give Musr to others, each individual has to carefully consider how they can improve in the areas of Torah, Avodah, and Gemilas Chasadim. We don't realize sufficiently that when one is privileged to study Torah, whether in a group setting or with a chavrus or even alone, they are imbibing godliness. The Zohar teaches that he, his Torah, and Israel are one. And therefore, an increase in one's Torah study is going to bring more godliness into this world. Power. Studying with greater effort 
will hopefully cause Hashem to temper the harsh degree upon our people and our land. The Gemara in Makos 10a teaches that the success of our soldiers on the battlefield was contingent on the Torah learning in Yerushalayim. What emerges from the above is that each individual's additional Torah learning will make a big difference. Avodah, prayer is the second pillar upon which our nation stands. One dare not have the feeling that since they cannot do anything else, they might as well say Tehillim. Nothing can be further than the truth. Prayer, recitation of Tehillim, helps significantly. This is derived from the Torah. The Jewish people were told in Bamidbar, chapter 31, Pasuk 2 through 6, to send a thousand soldiers from each tribe to go to war against Midian. The Talmud teaches that each tribe conscripted 3,000 soldiers, 1,000 to engage in battle, 2,000 to assist soldiers, and the third thousand to pray. The Jew fights with prayer. Praying as well as learning Torah affects and changes the spiritual environment about us, and this change can affect the change in the heavenly decree. And finally, the third pillar is that of Gemilus Chasodim. It is so sad that over the past several months, we saw too many public demonstrations reflecting a lack of unity, lack of respect for fellow Jews with different ideologies. One day of horror from the Amalek animals has completely changed the environment. Just a few examples. A rabbi in Eretz Yisrael saw an announcement asking for people to host families from the south. He called 45 minutes later and was told, way too late, we already found everyone a place. He asked how many families needed to be housed. The voice at the other end responded, about 6,000. They found homes for 6,000 families in 45 minutes. Wow! Secondly, many restaurants in Tel Aviv wanted to help the war effort by sending food to the soldiers. They were rejected because their facilities were not kosher. They immediately called the rabbinate and koshered their restaurants. One more example. Out of literally thousands, there was the second night of the war, 10 o'clock at night. A father saw his 17-year-old daughter dressed up and about to leave the home. He asked where she was going. She answered that, oh my goodness, there's a wedding with very few women and girls to dance with the kala. I'm going to dance. Umik Amcha Yisrael. We too have to implement the third pillar. I unfortunately know personally of families where one member of the family doesn't speak to another. Families where parents and siblings don't communicate. And even if you believe you are right, but you know the other side is hurting, repair the damage. Be big. Take the initiative. Reach out to that individual that you have not spoken to in years. Learn from our dear soldiers who are willing to make the ultimate sacrifice and extend the painful effort to repair the breakdown of Avas Yisrael. Avas Yisrael is not only to respect and love your peers and those with whom you associate. When someone cried to a wise rub that their relative had a tattoo, 
His response was, that's an issue between them and God. Your job, however, is to love them as they are a Jew. None of us, my friends, come near to Naktimon ben Gurion, Rabbi Akiva, Rabbi Hananya ben Trajon, but all of us can learn to implement the teachings of Shlomo Amela. Call all that's within your power to do, do. Finally, in our Musaf of Rosh Hashanah, we acknowledge that Hashem inspects Ma'asei Ish Uf Kudoso, the actions of man and the fulfillment of his earthly mission. Everyone is given a personalized tafkid, a purpose and mission to fulfill in this world. Our trying and doing just a little bit more, more Torah study, more taking of our tefillos seriously, by taking upon ourselves not to talk during davening, or to undertake to know the meaning of tefillah, and to truly demonstrate Abbas Yisrael by feeling and repairing the pain of another Jew will help facilitate in no small way a better outcome in this horrific war. It's Slach, in his introduction to his parish on Pesachim, teaches that the name Adam not only speaks about his humble origins from the ground, Mina Adamah, but his lofty aspiration, Adameh Le'elion, to be like the Most High, as in the 611th mitzvah of the Olachta Bidrachav. May all of us truly come to tighten our belts. May all of us come to realize that there is no such thing as a small contribution, but all of the small measures add up to one very big Yeshua. Shabbat Shalom to all.